Live from the Nova Home Loan Studios, it's Cofield and Company. Here we go, Wednesday, Nova Home Loan Studio. You heard it. Angels here, Cofield, Adam Candy as well. Already back in our Finley Toyota Studios. Trending at two coming up. Candy, how you doing, buddy? I haven't talked to you in a while. Oh, you know, I'm around doing this and that. I'm concerned for everyone on the staff. You know that. I hope you're healthy because we've had a rash of really bad injuries lately. I don't know if you've been following the show. Uh, where do I start? Do I start with Adam Hill, John Von Tobel, or now Ari? I mean, I feel like the, you got to get with the breaking news first. Yes. Okay. JVT struggling. Adam Hill struggling. Ari now has a what is it? Ari a rib injury? The, the, a, is it pulled fat? What's going on here? The internet tells me it's uh, it's a rib. Uh, I pulled a rib muscle. It seems that seems a little excessive for what it is. It's just it's discomfort. But on Saturday, like I moved a certain way. By the way, this is kind of embarrassing, old man stuff. <laughs> I moved a certain way, turned kind of. And I was like, ah, my rib, that really kind of hurt. And then it was fine. And then like a half hour later and then throughout the day, I was like, oh, wow, this kind of hurts. And then kind of went away the next day. And the next few days, basically up to now, it's been, I don't know. It's kind of like certain moves hurt. And then if I take a deep breath, so internet tells me it'll it'll subside in a few weeks. I'm sure I'm fine. I don't need a doctor or anything. So, but yeah, Candy, what is it with this show? Candy, is it time for Ari to visit a doctor? It sounds like he's playing with fire here. This could be... And this could be a rib removal situation. That's what I hear. Yeah. I mean, I have no doubt about it. Uh, WebMD confirms. And I want to check <laughs> something here with Ari because uh, th- th- there was a very vague reference to I moved a certain way. Right. Um, I mean, what what were you, were, were you, I don't know, were you lifting a car? Were you making coffee? Like, what was going on? It's like, no matter how I answer, this is embarrassing, right? I, I was like sitting on my bed and leaned over to grab something. And, like, I twist, I don't know. I, I didn't know this could happen, but I twisted kind of, I guess, the wrong way, apparently. And, uh, hmm. yeah. I guess hmm. I'm getting old. The, the, no, no the, could... plot can, the plot continues to thicken here, Ari. The plot continues to thicken here. You, you're, you're still not talking about, you, you reached over to get something in bed. Where, uh, uh, wow. Your bed? Yes, I was in my bed. Oh, I, okay, all right. I had some I just wasn't sure if you were familiar with the surroundings. I mean, sometimes you could be in you an know? unfamiliar surrounding and... You know, think you were going left and you end up going right. And, I see where you know, you're going with that. Things that, ha- things that happen. Ari, do you not understand I'm trying to make this a better story for you? Like, I'm trying yeah. to turn this around for you, and and you're not really helping me here because I- my diagnosis of you, Dr. Candy's diagnosis, is that you have a bruised ego. And and your bruised ego is manifesting itself <laughs> in your ribs. That's- but I, I like, I'm, I, the ego is somewhere around the rib bone. That is pretty impressive. Uh- <laughs> perspective there from dr candy I, uh, I didn't go to years and years of medical school on tv for this i will also add that there's no winning with this kind of thing on this show let's be honest <laughs> so you can you can sugarcoat it all you want but it's a uh, it's a old man injury but uh i appreciate that and i think i will be okay sooner than well, john and or adam yeah i'm glad you mentioned it uh in the run of injuries on the show i mean it certainly is up there with what uh Von Tobel went through yesterday, so I don't know if you know this, Candy, but Von Tobel had a, a cyst removed uh, next to his ear, 
and had some stitches down the side of his face. Uh, he has continued to do uh, two and three shows a day. Uh, yesterday, before he got to the show, he's like, yeah, my, my wound is just leaking. And he sat there for four hours and did the show. And I kept telling him every break, I'm like, dude, you can leave if you want to leave. And he just looked miserable and his face was getting more and more swollen. I didn't want to hurt his feelings and you know tell him that he looked like he was chipmunking and competitive eating, but it didn't look good. Angel was looking across and he was like, wow, this, this is not a good situation. The day before, Adam Hill comes limping in, apparently, in uh, trying to cut some more of the bulk. Uh, he was working out, trying to do like some steps at a park late night. I don't think the lights were on. I think he, uh, I think he put himself at risk. He heard a loud boom, and apparently something popped in his calf, and his calf, his right calf, apparently has a small tear in it. But yes, Ari moved the wrong way in bed <laughs> and is really suffering now. Yeah, I, I mean, we we have some digging to do on all of this. I don't know that I'm willing to accept any of what I've heard yet. Um, Adam Hill's situation, first of all, let's just be honest. If you're in a park late at night, you're doing one of two things. You're either playing basketball, sounds like he wasn't, or you might be involved in an illicit drug deal. And so I, I don't know which to believe, but in John Von Tobel's situation, are we sure this isn't some sort of pain injury around what's going on with the Clippers? Are, are we sure that somehow that his body is not reacting to what happened with the Los Angeles Clippers? Do we need Dr. Cho on here? Just saying, look, I can say all these things because you know what I am? Healthy as a damn horse. Healthy as a damn horse. You know what I did a couple weekends ago? I worked four basketball games, which is running about 12 miles. And let me tell you something. Those kids don't tend to get any older, but I do. Um I I am a paragon of health as much as any man of my size at 6'2 and 170 something pounds who is made of sticks and duct tape can be in great health. I am the god of this show. You're on the wrong show. I am the health god of this show. Cofield, I assume there's some sort of injury in here for you that you're not talking about. What? What? Listen, I... I I don't know. Uh, I don't know if this really fits the highest weighted show here. Having you talk all this health stuff, not like. Oh this. no! See, there, it's it's called contrast. Like there, there has to be, you know, to every good situation like this, there has to be an opposite. There has to be a foil. Like there has to be the one guy that Cofield and Von Tobel and Hill and and even our boy Ryan McKinnell. Like there has to be someone that everyone looks at. Like oh, screw that guy. Oh, screw him. Like, what like, What does he do? Like, he goes out, he eats ribeyes, he eats cheeseburgers, <laughs> he stuffs his face, and yet he still looks like a 14-year-old boy. And uh, guilty. Guilty as charged. What else do you want me to say about it? Like, this isn't the life I chose. This life chose me. Hashtag thin life. <laughs> like, yeah, there was a time that I actually belonged on the highest-weighted show, Ari. There was a time I belonged. It was, you know, probably a good solid ten years ago at this point. But I, I qualified for Husky Pants. I, I, I absolutely should have been. Oh yeah. Oh no. I was a good solid. Uh, I said I was 170 something. I was a good solid 230 plus. Woo. Um. And and then I hit the TB12 diet and everything was good. Oh, did I say that out loud? Sorry. I didn't mean to give uh, 
I didn't mean to give free plug to to Tom Brady and avocados. My apologies. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. It's you know. Dang, I don't well. like avocados. That's a bummer for me. <laughs> oh, shocker! Shocker! Ari just doesn't like to, avocados. Because I'm just gonna keep getting these bed injuries. I figure something bed, else out. Bed injuries. Or, or get you a different know what? job. Even, you know what? I appreciate the fact that you're tra- changing it to bed injuries because even calling it bed injuries <laughs> makes it sound so much cooler than it is. That's the first thing I thought of was like, this is going to just be perfect fodder for for Cofield and company. Like Steve's going to go off on me for this. So it's great. Glad to open up the show with this. How about we take a timeout? We good on that? Sure. I'm going to go hit the weights. Okay. Uh, I will just tell you, I delivered one of the best rants I've delivered in years. (laughs) But you guys couldn't hear me, nor could the audience. We'll have that coming up. We're going to check in with uh, hockey experts, uh, native of Canada, Julie Stewart Binks, in just a couple of minutes. And uh, we're both going to react to what happened last night because that was not good. The nights fall really flat. And, uh, yeah, that was borderline embarrassing. The phone lines are open, and we want to hear from you. Call 702-364-1100 and tell us what's on your mind. We picks Anderson. He gets through. Stopped by Flurry. Rebound. Score. The follow-up from Kakaniemi. And Montreal takes a 1-0 lead on its second shot of the game. Cofield and Company is on the road at the Nova Home Loan Studio. Dan Duva, excellent call on that one. You always know what's going on, whether it's good or bad with the Knights. Duva's not going to start mumbling. And Candy, as a play-by-play guy, you know this. You can't mumble Hotkin Yemi. Say that five times real fast. I don't want to get fired, so no, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> did I, wait, did I, did I, did I, did I, did I just no, take too I, much like of a if, risk? If I trusted Ari on the dump button, maybe, maybe, but no. Yeah. All right, well, let's get into what happened last night. Uh, we're mad. I'm not a Golden Knights fan. I, I want to see good hockey, and I don't. there's no excuse for what happened last night. Now, on the Canadian side, they play great hockey. They come up with a plan here, and the Knights can't figure it out or refuse to go to a different style. Julie Stewart-Binks is on Fubo now. She used to be on FS1 and working for ESPN in the past, and she's got her Fubo show now, and she gives a couple minutes here on Cofield & Company in Vegas. How are you? Hey, guys. I am doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. You know, it's so odd. I'm actually right outside of MSG. Uh, rest in peace with the Rangers right now. And just walked by the host of the Islanders. What a weird world. And I'm on with you guys talking Vegas Golden Knights, Montreal Canadiens. It's hockey everywhere. Yeah. How, how bizarre is that? If you actually, you're trying to process the fact that the uh, most ballyhooed franchise in the history of the NHL is playing some team in Vegas that somehow has made the conference finals three or four years. I love it. You know, I, I love everything about Vegas. I think that they are so cool. I think they make hockey cool. And I know that there are always going to be sort of those purist haters out there that say, oh, well, you know, they didn't play since the 1800s or whatever. But you know what? I, my, the team that I support, the Toronto Maple Leafs, has, and they are nowhere, so it really huh. doesn't matter. Uh, Vegas has done such a great job of, of being the expansion franchise blueprint, and I think there's a lot of pressure on Seattle in terms of that. But I love watching. The, the Vegas fans are so into it, and I, I've said it before. I'm not a fan of Montreal. I do not wish 
them to win anything, and that's just how it is. Like, people think Canadians want the Montreal Canadiens win. It's like, no, no, no. This isn't, the, this is not the Raptors or the Blue Jays. Like, we have other teams, so we do not want the team that, like, has been our arch rival really for the most part of, like, my life uh, to win. But then there's also that other side, like, well, you want the team that beat you to keep going, right? Because then that makes your team look better. I don't know. I still, I, I, I do not want to see Montreal take this. I love it. I love the vitriol. I've never believed in this. Well, you know, they beat us, so let's root for them. No, if they're if they're an enemy, yeah. then they're always an enemy. Uh, give me a little breakdown of what you're seeing in this series because Montreal barely got in the playoffs, and now they've, you know, they're executing the style that is totally stymieing the Golden Knights to the point where I think a lot of a lot of guys on the Golden Knights are kind of mentally broken. They don't know what to do. Yeah, it's kind of confusing, isn't it? Because it's like they're all playing above what we saw in the regular season, and it's like. You know, when the pressure's on, when the bright lights are on, all of these guys come to play. They're, it's sort of like that old-school hockey mentality of, like, having veterans on the team, guys that step up, and having, like, good goaltending and good defense. And you don't necessarily need, like, nifty goal scorers, you know, to track back to Toronto. Like, that didn't really do anyone any help, cause especially when they're silent. And you don't sort of have those – the bottom six really – that's, like, honestly what we're seeing is, like, the guys – it's the fourth-line guys. It's, it's the guys that sort of make an impact that, that didn't necessarily in the regular season. And so I, I'm seeing it almost feels like we're kind of seeing that in a lot of different series. Now we look at Tampa, and they've had, they have great goal scores. They also have great goaltending and, you know, a whole team aspect. But it's like the Islanders, right? They have that, that, like, that cockroach. They're never going to die. They're always that team-structured mentality and I think that even though they let it get away from them with that eight nothing route, which I was I was pretty pumped about because I also do not like the Islanders. I got a lot of I have a big fight list of different things on it, and one of them is Islanders fans, and they know it. I know it. You know, you guys know it now. So, uh, but I think that they'll be able to get back to they'll try to get back to their systems. But yeah, I think that um, they basically Vegas. Vegas has just got to figure out what their identity is, remind themselves that they have, like, some of the best goal scorers in the entire league, and and just, you know, give them hell. Julie, not that I need to remind you as a Leafs fan what happened with the Canadians earlier on, but I'm curious about your perspective as, I'm assuming, like most, a tortured Leafs fan, as you were watching that 3-1 lead slip away, were you kind of were you kind of just stunned by the whole thing, or were you kind of going through like what Boston fans went through with the Red Sox for years, where it's like, "Yep, here we go again." Honestly, I cried. I cried. Oh, no. I'm a 34 year old woman. I had tears streaming down my face. I was just like, "No, like I'm not. I just like I can't do this anymore." It's the hope that kills you. It's always the hope that kills you. It's you know, it actually being blown out would have been. Being swept is being better than having a game seven because you think you have a chance. So uh, I, I was upset about it because I mean this is this is like the best team that they've ever had, they've ever really had, I'd say. And if you can't get it done against a team that was 18 points behind you in the regular season, what are we doing? Like where where do you go from here? And then you know with the expansion draft, like who do you protect? And like what's your identity? And again. I will say the commentators did not make enough of a fact that John Tavares was out since the first period of the first game. There is a big piece that was missing there. But it was, it was real difficult, and it's just like 
it happens so much. And I feel bad for, like, my mom is a huge fan. And in Canada, they've been in lockdown for, like, thousands of years. And she was like, this is the only thing that made her happy, watching the Leafs. And I was like, oh, God, you can't put your happiness there. Uh, so that was that was tough to kind of just see. Every, it's like Cubs fans before they won it back, you know, a couple of years ago. So it, that's just the feeling. I, I'm kind of over it, but I'm, I'm still, it's still in my blood. Oh God! Now I now I feel bad for mom because <laughs> mom is stuck. Mom is stuck in lockdown with nothing better to do, and like it's almost like like she's throwing herself into a relationship that like you know it's a bad relationship, but like it's all you've got. Like it's and you're like, I, know. Well, I mean, I got the leaf. So, oh my gosh, I feel bad for mom. Uh, Julie Stewart Binks is joining us here on Cofield and Company, hosting uh, Drinks with Binks on Fubo TV, and I'm curious, Julie, you've had some big names both in uh, in sports and sports media on the show. Uh, what would you say has been the person who has been the the most surprising guest you've had, the person who was on the show where you're like, huh, that is not who I thought they were going to be? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know what? A lot of people I, I thought about that with. Um, even just tonight, I have Todd Frazier on the show course he's going to the olympics with team usa and he's just like he's like sorry i'm in new york they're talking uh, everywhere um it's, oh, yeah. it's the fact that like uh he's like a little kid in in terms of going to the olympics like he's so jazzed about it and this guy's played in like game sevens with the yankees so i was like wow this is i mean the olympics is the olympics it's great but it's not it's not typically like a, a, a baseball sport at the olympics but um i found also a guest tonight chris bosh was just like very introspective and cerebral and he's he's he was very he was able to talk a lot about difficult parts of his life and i think that came from he just wrote a book but i'd say brian burke was also very interesting because i thought that brian burke was going to be really tough like you know one of those interviews like okay i'm not going to get much out of this but he came with the coors light and he was he was ready to hang and he opened, you know, we're able to talk about, oh, working with the insiders like Elliot Friedman and um, and Chris Johnson up at Sportsnet in Canada and how he feels about guys trying to get info out of him. And it just, it, it's great when you can just have a conversation with someone. It's almost like, and don't tell my boss this, but it's like having getting paid to have Zoom drinks, right? It's like, that's what we're doing. It's we're really just like having a drink, whatever it is, water, coffee, wine, shots. And um, and we just hang out. And then you're like, oh, yeah, that was my job. Maybe I shouldn't have said that thing. Thank goodness we are not live. But it's, it's been a ton of fun. And also, it's just been, like, great. I've been able to do it uh, from home. Like, I, I know that sounds like, oh, great, you can do your job from home. You must be, must be losing it. But I was able to take the show, speaking of mom, up to Canada. I was able to just do it from my, my room, my childhood bedroom. And it's still work so that was sort of a silver lining of the time it's jsb from uh, fubo you can watch uh, chris bosh and todd frazier tonight the show's what eight o'clock eastern right on fubo tv you bet and you can also just like like everyone else you know we got a we got a youtube page we're, we're hip with yep. the kids at fubo sports and then you know instagram and twitter that's where we're all at so uh you, you talked to frazier give me your take on what was going on around baseball last night with managers and all the challenges on the pitchers where max scherzer got so pissed off it looked like he and girardi were going to fight and scherzer i think on the third try was ready to take his pants off yeah i know that was that was that was good for the game we need more stuff like that and no, i'm joking um yeah, it's yeah. just the 
it, it, I can see, you know, the, the stress that these guys are under and the pressure because, like, I didn't realize it, but, like, how dangerous it is for a lot of these pitchers with, you know, not having kind of, like, some kind of substance on the ball because it can either hurt them or they could hit someone. And uh, Todd really kind of explained it. Like, he's like, you know, I put up the clip, but he said everyone, every pitcher should have something like a uniform substance that will go on the ball because they it's just not the same um you can't you can't grip it properly without something unless you're then willing to sacrifice your health or someone else's health so they have to figure something else out and this isn't he was like this is not the thing that mlb should be going bananas over there's a lot of other things that have happened and he mentions you know things that happened back in 2017 of which we know with the astros that they should have been harder on this is not the thing I love that we're getting the authentic experience of what it's like standing at like 7th and 34th. <laughs> no one can move, but we all just beep at each other. Candy and I are both from uh, me, New Jersey, him, uh, New York. So we, we understand what it's like to walk in the city and everyone honking yeah. at each other. And it's a pedestrians against the cars. Uh, let's I close on this. I want to go back the to the beginning of the convo. Of being in New York, you know? I wanna, yeah. yeah. This is what it's like. <laughs> right, on right on cue. Right on cue. Uh, let me go back to the beginning of the combo to close out. Uh, you said you hate Islanders fans. Why? They cannot get over the fact that John Tavares left them, and that was a yeah. long time ago, and yeah. they have done better since he left. And if they, for whatever reason, win this series, and if they ended up hoisting the cup, they would be more excited to shove that in John Tavares's face than to actually hoist the cup for themselves. They are a team that is built their identity around hating other teams. And I feel fine saying that because I've witnessed it firsthand is that they cannot get over the fact that he left. And it's like, it's okay. You're better off. Like your ex left you, but look, you're cooler than them. So just like be happy for yourself. And that's why I do not like Islanders fans. JSB, good spot. We appreciate it. We'll be watching a little later. Thank you for the time. Thank you. Good luck to uh, to the Golden Knights. Let's go Vegas, baby. Get rid of Montreal. There you go. She's got a lot of enemies. Well, it's sports. It, it, it's just how it goes. But uh, that is no surprise. You know, you know Canada. You know, Montreal and Quebec is such a unique situation. Uh, you know, as opposed to the rest of Canada, like people assuming us ignorant Americans that like the entire country is going to get behind Montreal. Like I, you know, you and I are not getting behind a Red Sox run to the World Series because, well, USA, USA, American League East. That doesn't happen. Uh, no, I've had people ask me about like, well, if the Mets make the World Series. No, are you kidding me? No, <laughs> that's that's just not the way that it works. And by the way. Let me just say that that Julie is not the first Toronto native who I have heard go on this Islanders Tavares rant. Like that is actually a, a real thing. There is a lot of animosity in that move. And oh, by the way, if you had the chance to live near Nassau Coliseum or in Cosmopolitan Toronto, you know what you'd choose to. Visit LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews. comes Suzuki down the near board to left wing side. Stevenson and Petrangelo defend out in front. Score! Suzuki got it to the middle. Ripped home by Eric Stahl. Two to nothing Canadians. 13.28 to go in the second period. From the fantastic Nova Home Loan Studios, it's Cofield and Company.
Wrapping up a not-so-hot night for the Golden Knights. It was a terrible night. I'm not going to be nice about it. Heading towards NBA basketball. 5.30 will cut out for Hawks and Bucks. Game one. So we're going to get Candy's reaction here. I want the audience reaction. 364-1100-364-1100. On the booing at the arena last night. Is that cool? Is this a terrible fan base for doing it? 364-1100-364-1100. Good stuff there from uh, Julie Stewart Binks, longtime hockey fan and media member covering hockey, and she's got strong stuff on her dislike of certain teams. So I'll start out by saying this, Candy. Last night was terrible, and... Those aren't my standards. That's Bill Foley and George McPhee's standards. Uh, You have pointed out, and I appreciate you doing it, something that I started saying year two, but especially in year three, when Gerard Gallant was let go, that this organization is Stanley Cup or bust. Those other standards set through their actions by Bill Foley and George McPhee. And I get the feeling that... There are some players on the Golden Knights. There are lots of fans of the Golden Knights. When they hear stuff like, hey, that was a terrible game last night, there are no excuses for that. And, yeah, there's another team involved. The Canadians are playing really good hockey. They've come up with a game plan that's freaking stymieing the coaching staff and the players. But we can be harsh. We can be critical. It doesn't uh, mean that this market is unrealistic. No, we're very realistic. We're actually aligning ourselves with the bosses. That's what they want. That's what they've built. And, Candy, I feel so much of this nonsense. Like I said, you're getting little whispers from the players. When Robin Leonard's talking about reading Twitter, Pete DeBoer has mentioned it a couple of times. Like, this is very hard. Yeah, we know, Pete. All right? We know. We watch sports. We cover sports. I feel like... Talking hockey in this market at times, Candy, there's this judgment like hockey is like splitting the G-damn atom. You just don't understand the sport. No, we do. All right? Most of us are transplants. Most of us watch hockey elsewhere. You can't lean on the crutch. You guys just don't get it. We do. There are high expectations. You'd have to be a moron who's never watched sports to not pick up on the fact that multiple times last night, multiple times in this series, there's been breakouts candy and it generally ain't the first guy who has the finish. It's the second Canadian in or the third. And guess what happens in a lot of those cases? Guess who comes sliding by behind the play? A member of the golden Knights. We can see that. So please spare me with, you don't get how hard this is. You guys don't know hockey. You just got a team. You should be happy with what you're getting. No. No. Foley and McPhee are not happy with what they're getting. They want to win a cup. They've changed the roster and the team and the coaching staff at different times. So, Adam, let me ask you, why why can't we judge and talk about the Knights the way the owner and the GM think. Why can't we align ourselves with them? Why are we wrong for doing that? 
oh, we're not wrong. We just seem to be the ones who are willing to accept that the honeymoon period ended the day Gerard Gallant got fired. Mm-hmm. That was it. It was over that day. Your head coach, who not only took you to the Stanley Cup final in your first year, but was the face of a franchise that had galvanized the city at one of the worst times it had ever gone through. You let that guy go with no clear reason other than the fact that he had lost four games in a row. And we would hear the whispers later that the style was grating on people, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, those are the things that happen in sports. But what you said to us that day, what you as the Golden Knights said to all of the fans, me, Steve, and everybody else out there, you said, if you don't win the Stanley Cup, that's it. And they've shown it not just when it comes to the move with the coach. Think about what they've done with the players. Think about what happened after they went to the Stanley Cup final. They won the Western Conference in 2017. And George McPhee came out and said, our second line wasn't nearly good enough. Hmm. And went on to dismiss Eric Halla, move Tuck off that line eventually by moving him down to the third line by the time they built a bigger first line and the first line became the second line. Then this past year... Nate Schmidt, another guy who had been one of the misfits, one of the original yeah. Golden Knights, who is a solid top pair defender in a lot of markets, right? Who is a, at least a top four defender for the Golden Knights. You put yourself into cap hell in order to sign Alex Petrangelo, who essentially is, for your purposes, just the upgrade between Alex Petrangelo and Nate Schmidt. And it's an upgrade, but it's the sort of thing you only do when you're saying, we have to go farther than we've gone. Three six four eleven hundred three six four one one zero zero. So your reaction to what we just saw last night, your reaction to fans booing in the third period. We've got a lot of hockey know-it-alls who don't know half as much as they think from outside the market and some inside the market saying the fans are terrible here. No, you're terrible. If you don't have standards for your teams, you're terrible. If you live in Cleveland, you live in Chicago, and you accept you know what the Browns have been over the years, what the Bears have been over the years, that's on you. To my fellow Jets fans, we suck because we keep rooting for a team that stinks. This is the way sports should be. And yeah, booing hurts. It's not nice. But there are standards. And last night was not acceptable. And any player worth his salt knows last night was not acceptable. And if you're looking around going, these fans are mean. They don't get it. Well, then then you're not going to get out of this hole. If that's the the distraction that's throwing you off, that's what you're worried about, then you're not getting out of this hole. Austin wants in on Cofield and Company, 364-1100. Austin. Hey, uh, thanks for taking my call. I uh, agree with everything you're saying. Um, You know, I think we got out-hustled a lot, and if you do that, you're going to get booed, just like you get cheered if you play hard and play well. Uh, Just like if a band plays a song in front of the audience and they suck and they're off key, you're going to get booed or you're going to get cheered. It goes both ways. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I guess there are musicians who are like, they don't appreciate us. Hey, you know what? You charge the kind of prices the Golden Knights charge, there are expectations. You know? I mean, talk about a con. I went to, I went to see a concert or whatever it was a couple of years ago, and it was the uh, cult and public enemy. And uh, the cult and the lead singer sucked. Now, could I sit there and boo? No, they couldn't hear me because their music was loud. But like, listen, you don't have to be—you don't have to be out of control and booing every little thing. I don't—I don't think you should be sending stupid Twitter messages Robin Leonard's way. But Vegas fans can be demanding. The standard has been set. 
you need to win. And frankly, last night on in multiple cases, Candy, it just we saw guys trailing the play, and that's pretty easy to diagnose. You don't have to be some freaking hockey savant to figure out what's going on there. Marty's with us here on Cofield and Company. Marty. Hey guys, how are you? Thanks for taking my call. I uh, I agree with you. I think it's uh, it's healthy to have tough fans. Um, you don't want to sit back and uh, cheer a team who's not playing well and got out hustled. Uh, these young kids from Montreal were uh, skating right by us yesterday, and the front office has to uh, kind of look back and say, "Hey, we gave up on these uh, these young kids that are are beating us up right now." Uh, the Suzuki's and uh, this other kid, they were both, uh, you know, um, they could have both been Golden Knight guys. And we decided to go a different route. And, you know, sometimes you're just too smart for your own good. Uh, but, again, I'll say this, because um, when I catch my breath after not being happy, I say, wow, we've had a really nice run, and we're two games away from going to the Stanley Cup. I believe that um, we can win in Montreal. Uh, I want to see who's going to be in net in uh, game six. I, I think that's going to be uh, um, something. I, I got a feeling Flurry's not going to be in net in game six. So we'll see Hi, what Marty. happens. Yep. Well, let, let's address that, Candy, because uh, I think it's an interesting conversation, but it's not the conversation. The goalies are not the conversation. They're not. So. I'm going to say right back to Marty, I'm also curious, but let me make something clear about what happened with the Golden Knights last night. You could have had Patrick Waugh and Jacques Plante playing together in net for the Golden Knights, and they still would have lost that game. I'm not saying Marty said anything different, but here's the thing, everyone. Make very clear the fact that two of the three goals that Marc-Andre Fleury gave up, he had absolutely zero chance to stop those. Nobody in the world could have stopped those goals. So if you're unhappy with the way the Golden Knights played last night, you should be. And here's why you should be. And Steve, you know this part very well because I'm going to reference UNLV from a few years back. In Marvin Menzies' first year, people got frustrated with the running Rebels. They didn't get frustrated because they weren't playing well. They got frustrated because they felt like the effort wasn't there. And that's what I felt from the Golden Knights fans last night. I felt frustration in those first two periods that the effort wasn't there, that they didn't go out there and put out the kind of effort that a game five of the Western Conference Finals or the Stanley Cup semifinals, whatever we're calling it, deserves. And you know what? Bravo, Golden Knights fans, because if you boo that, that's exactly the way it works. Brad is up. Brad's on Cofield guys. and Company. Hey, Brad. Hey, guys. I I agree with all everyone's been saying. It's just very frustrating, and you just have to have some way of letting them know that you're upset, that you're there, you're watching. I watch from California, and it's upsetting. And you just want to vent, and you want let those guys know that it's not just one guy who can't do the job. They all, for the most part, are just failing, and... I mean, we're all lifelong Yankee fans, and we've seen them have a great season and then come to the World Series and then disappear. You know, get all remember those guys, and it's frustrating. And hopefully they will figure out what they're doing. I mean, if I hear Nick Suzuki's name one more time, it is like a stab in your back, you know, and 
he's laughing all the way to the bench. And that's all I got to say. You just want to win one time, just tie, you know, tie it. I, it, it there's nothing more to say. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Brad. Um, I actually, as as crazy as it may sound on the surface, I actually like Brad tying together the Yankees and the Golden Knights. You do realize around hockey that the way the Golden Knights operate and the break that a lot of people think they were given uh, from the get-go with the expansion draft, and now you've seen so many people saying the league loves the Golden Knights and that's why the officiating is out of line. All of that said, the Golden Knights could be viewed outside of actually winning the Cup as an evil empire in hockey. People hate Las Vegas. People hate the Golden Knights. And yes, the fans, because they've been treated to such excellence, are arrogant, have super high standards. But as we started 10 minutes ago, uh, telling you, Candy and I, I, we don't, I don't have an issue with it. Uh, so far, the fans don't have an issue with it. Colin, you can fight us on this. I don't know how you defend any of those three goals last night. You could watch the tail end of the play and you're like, wait, how did that Canadian get in that position, and why is that Golden Knight coasting behind the scene? And in desperation at the last second, like, oh, wait. It happened on all three goals. And we're not telling, you know, we're not telling the, the players or Pete DeBoer anything. They don't know. They saw it, and they need to get it fixed. 364-1100, uh, Alex is on ESPN Las Vegas. Alex. Hi, guys. I was actually very proud of the fans last night. It was the first time that the fans did not coddle the team. Uh, they know what is invested into the team, what the team has given up. As uh, Candy said, with the coach being let go. And, you know, two tickets, $700. That's not the effort that anyone expected. It's very clear who won the Max, Max Pacioretty uh, trade. And the only thing I can say I disagree with is that the goalie conversation is a conversation with the fans, and it, it will be. It will be after the game tomorrow. It will be on the off season, right or wrong. But with the fans, a lot of that is the conversation. Take care, guys. Yeah, I mean, we know it's a conversation. I'm saying it's not the most important conversation for the rest of the series. Now, you could argue going back that Leonard you know, may not have uh, been as sloppy at times with the puck handling and nailed one off his skate to set up a goal, um, if you want to have that argument. But it's that's not their biggest problem. Their biggest problem right now is their lack of flexibility, or maybe it's a stubbornness, or maybe it's coaching. And I know Stevenson was down, but he was back last night. They refuse to make some of the adjustments at the blue line. There's a friggin' wall candy at the blue line. And they've got to find a way that goes way beyond trying to skate through the wall with, you know, fancy puck handling, because we saw what happened to Stone. That resulted in a freaking disaster. Eric wants in on what happened to the Golden Knights last night and the fans booing and the standard that's set here, and if we're unrealistic, and if this uh, fan base here is actually a terrible fan base. Eric? <laughs> well, hey, I won't say the terrible fan base is uh, – the fan base is terrible. Uh, I believe your co-host said the honeymoon is over, and I think that's what you better – realize that the honeymoon is over so people can express themselves however they want but i'm sure the las vegas fan base is no different than the colorado fan base who was upset yep. that they blew a two-nothing lead or minnesota who who came back after they were down three one and lost so i mean people are going to express themselves uh however they are i think the, 
the ownership probably set too high of expectations because they were given a sweetheart deal with the expansion that Seattle's going to get as well. And then they got some breaks. They got a GM who was in the league with Washington who couldn't win for 20 years. They had a coach who was in the league for a long time. And then they got a Stanley Cup goalie that came in and put the city on his head because he led them to the finals the first year. So realistically, they caught all the breaks to be an outstanding team. But if you look at their team, um, how good is Mark Stone really? He's rated high as his peers, but he hasn't done nothing in the playoffs in three years. Uh, Pacioretty came from Montreal where he couldn't lead them to the, to the, to the playoffs hardly at all. You got two defensemen and, uh, Pacioretty and uh, Mart- Martinez who are Stanley Cup winners, but the rest of those guys haven't proven anything in the playoffs. That's why they score average less than three goals a game and don't win unless Fleury or LeFleur or Robin Leonard, uh, play, play on their heads every night. Good stuff. A lot of stuff. We'll address it on the way back. Uh, Got to pay some bills here. 364-1100 is the phone number. More calls on the way the fans reacted last night. What's going on with the Knights? What they can fix? Can they turn things around? They're in a tough spot now. They got to win two games in this series, and the first one uh, starts up on the road tomorrow. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. You're listening to Cofield and Company. On ESPN Las Vegas. Nothing wrong with high standards, right, Candy? For everyone at every job. Gotta have goals. Without right? goals, you're just drifting in the sh- drifting in the ocean. Hey, the Knights got booed last night. It's tough. It probably hurts. They know they're not playing well. Fans are paying some of the highest prices in North America. To go to these hockey games, expectations are through the roof. Are they unrealistic? I don't know. And if the counter is, how would you like if you know people came to your job and booed you? Do it! We deserve to get booed! I opened the show, I had a great two-minute rant! No one heard it! Boo us! Everyone has standards. And let me tell you, once you don't have standards, guess what you are? You're the Detroit Pistons. You're the Jets. Do you want that? I don't think so. Back to the phones. 364-1100. Eddie is in on what's going on right now with the Golden Knights as they trail the Canadians 3-2 to two in the series. What's going on, guys? Appreciate the call. Uh, I'll make this real quick. I agree with the lack of effort was absolutely what, what it was. But I, my quick question is, because I'm not as knowledgeable with hockey as you guys are. My question is, besides the lack of effort, what, like, what's going on? Is it something that they're doing to counter our attack? Is it just, that, that, that's my question, is what can we do to change coming into game seven, game six and game seven to do whatever they're doing to stop our attack? All right, Eddie. Candy, explain what the Canadians have done defensively that the Knights have just not adjusted to. It's not all that different than what the Wild did to them, and the Golden Knights just eventually adjusted and found a way past it. But what the Canadians have done is they have made it, one, impossible to pass the puck in the neutral zone, uh, or, more importantly, to skate through the neutral zone with any speed. I mean, we talk about the fact a lot that the initial Golden Knights team, the 2007 Golden Knights team that we all fell in love with, that team was a team that got the puck deep, and the forecheck just beat the hell out of you over the course of a game 
now teams adjusted to that. So we had Darren Millard on the show not that long ago, the pregame, postgame host for the Golden Knights. And Darren said, you know what? What they did is they went out and they added that speed element. They added the ability to go on the rush all the way down the ice. Well, there aren't a lot of opportunities to do that against the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, they clog up the neutral zone. They make it very difficult to get any speed. And as the NBC broadcast has pointed out, Pete DeBoer loves to get the puck in deep and then send it back to the defenseman to get the shots from the point. Well, Montreal has taken that away. They are not allowing those shots from the point. And on the rare occasion that Vegas gets them, there's no traffic in front of the net. Uh, the Canadiens defensemen are doing a spectacular job of preventing rebounds. Really, the only juicy rebound that we saw was the one that Nick Waugh put in for the overtime winner. So in the end, what teams are doing to them and what we've seen happen consistently is that they are not allowing the Golden Knights to move with speed and they are not in the zone allowing them to execute their plan which is to try to get those point shots get screens get rebounds and overall we're seeing a team that once they get ahead and they can really pack it in against the golden knights it's over much of the series now comes down to coaching and the adjustments and finding the right combinations especially on those struggling lines with the forwards who have uh, you know had a really tough time getting on the board for the knights coaching which Coaching was a big deal last night in the Suns and Clippers game. At the end, we'll break that down. And then our resident basketball coach, Coach Joe, Joe Esposito, is up in 15. Get that mortgage tuned up right now. 877-700-NOVA is the number to call at Nova Home Loans.